Today I'm going to I'm going to talk a little bit about <clears throat> um, what armor are you used to fighting with? What armor are you used to fighting with, or what weapons are you used to fighting with? And so we're going to go to a really familiar uh, story. I think even you guys probably know this story. Well, yeah, it's in there. You're right. But we're going to start somewhere else. We're going to start in 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. Yeah, remember David and Goliath? Okay, we've all heard about David and Goliath. How many times have we heard the story of David and Goliath? Zillions, right? Many, many, many. You know, we all know it really well. You know, um, you know what, haven't, what haven't we heard about this story, right? Goliath, you know? He was a giant of a man. Huge guy, right? We know he was, he was, he was probably, I don't know, they estimate somewhere between eight and a half to almost ten feet tall, right? That's big. He wouldn't, he would, his head would hit the ceiling. <laughs> What's that? One and a half what? Danny's, yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, guy, he was big. He was huge, right? Um, and, and, and if that wasn't, if that wasn't enough, to intimidate people, right? his size alone, if that wasn't enough to, to intimidate people. No, he had all this armor. He carried weapons and armor, they estimate, that, that weighed be, between 150 to 200 pounds of armor, helmet, you know, chest plate, you know, things, his sword, I mean, every, all of the armor that he had, were, they estimate it weighed about 150 to 200 pounds. I'm like, he didn't need that. He was big enough. He could have just intimidated them with just with his size. But no, they go and they armor him besides, right? This guy was like, he was like a killing machine, right? And so, and, and here's, a, here's, a, here's a side note that I thought was interesting. <clears throat> you know, people will discount, well, that was, you know, I don't know. Somebody, whoever wrote that was smoking something funny. They saw this big guy, you know, and had a hallucination. And he really wasn't that big. You know, I'm making that up. I don't know, but right. But I mean, people discount. There's no way that happened, and you know, whatever. But that was, you know, that was a fairy tale, and whatever. Well, did you know that in the early 1900s, there was a guy that was actually eight, eight feet, 11 inches tall, tallest man that they recorded most recently. It was in the early 1900s. He was at his peak. He was eight feet, 11 inches tall. Um, his name was uh, Robert Wadlow. And so you can look them up, but big guy, right? I mean, so there's been, there's historical accounts, even, re, you know, I say recently, but, you know, fairly recent where, where there were people this large. And so, you know, it, 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 it's not just a fairy tale. And so, and so, but like Goliath, you know, as we talk, as we talking about him and his, his, his size and the weapons and all that, you know, he, it, you know, like Goliath, um, you know, the enemy we face, you know, when we look at this story and we, we think about these things, the enemy we face tries to use fear, right? That's, what, that's exactly what Goliath did. It's a picture of, of who we are up against in, in our spiritual walk, right? It uses, a, it uses fear to, to intimidate or to render us ineffective, Right? Or to cause us to retreat. 
you know, to, to, to retreat and hide, you know, or, or maybe even just possibly just quit the fight altogether. Skip it. I don't want to go against this guy. He's too big. I can't fight him. It's, it's, you know, it's too intimidating. I'm, I'm just going to throw in the towel, right? And so it's kind of, it gives us kind of a picture of, of you, know, where, you know, our spiritual fight. And the only, there, there's a difference in that, you know, in, in our enemy, in that he knows, you know, our enemy knows who is in us. He knows that we have the greater one in us. We, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Our enemy knows that. You know, and so he uses this the, the fear and these things. It's a little more. It's not quite so. It's not quite so obvious. You know, Goliath came out. You know, and he's this big guy, and he's like standing there, and he's pounding his chest. You know, in my mind, you know, he's come on, fight me. You know, whatever, and standing there, and he's taunting him, and he's mocking him. Well, you know, our enemy isn't quite so obvious. He's far more subtle, right? It gets us to start thinking things, and he works on our thoughts. He works on our feelings. You know, and he works on our, you know, and then we, then he starts to work these things and then we start meditating on these thoughts, you know, and then it starts seeping down in here and then we, you know, start getting all, you know, worked up and oh my goodness and we start feeling fearful and we start, you know, getting, you know, you know, losing our, our focus, you know, it's the same, it's the same, uh, it's the same tool, it's just, you know, it's just employed a little differently. It's a little different tactic. And so, because he, but because he knows that we have the greater one in us, right? He makes himself appear more intimidating than he really is. You know, the word says, right, that he roams around what, like a roaring lion. Doesn't say he roams around as a roaring lion, and that he's not because he's not. He's not that. He's not as big as what sometimes. He would like us to think he is. You know, there's a story of, we have a friend of ours who, who was being tormented by, by uh, you know, some, some things and, and they were, um, they said they, they asked, they prayed and they asked, Lord, God, reveal what this is to me, and whatever. And the Lord showed them, that, the Lord showed them that it was this, this little tiny little thing that was in the corner that was tormenting them at night. It was like the size of, you know, whatever. It was like a little munchkin. I don't know if that's politically correct or not. Anyway, um, little munchkin, right? But it was just, just this little tiny thing that was tormenting him. It was like, but it was made itself look huge. And that's what the enemy does. He, he uses, you know, projection in our minds to make us think he's bigger than he is. And then it intimidates us. And we're like, oh, I don't know about this, right? Or he uses, like, you know, other things like sickness and disease, you know, or the words of other people. Or, you know, there's all these things that he uses that it's it's far more subtle, right, than what Goliath did. But it's the same tactic, the same strategy, right? Um, Interesting, Goliath was from the city of Gath. Um, And and why is that important? Why why, why is that significant? Or what's what's interesting about that is that it was one of the last refuges of the Anakim, which were the giants that were in the land, when Joshua went in and took the land, remember? What did the, what did the 12 guys came back and they said what? There's giants in the land. 
We can't possibly go in there and take this land. Okay, ten of them said that. Right? Ten, there's no way. We can't do this. There's giants in the land. There's no way we can't. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. Intimidating. Intimidation. Right? They were intimidated by that. In fact, they even they even made up their own their own their own their own story about it in their heads. Well, we're grasshoppers in their sight. Nobody told them that. The giants didn't say that, right? They just made this thing up. Well, we're grasshoppers in their sight. We're so much smaller than they are. There's no way they'll stomp us and they'll just, you know, whatever. They made this up, and that's what intimidation will do, right? It causes us to to make things up in our minds and and to and to render us ineffective and to retreat and step back and to shrink back, right? And so um, so he was from this, this land of Gath and, 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 and yeah, it was, the, it was those giants that were from there. You know, and, and as I'm reading this, I'm like, really interesting. Did you know that later on, once, uh, once David was proclaimed king and, and he, was, was good, he hadn't taken the throne yet and Saul was chasing him down or wherever. Where did, you know where David went to find refuge? Gath. He went to the land of the Philistines to find refuge from the crazy king Saul that was chasing him. He, this was after he took Goliath. I'm like, isn't that, isn't that interesting? I was like, wow, that's pretty wild. You know, when Saul was pursuing him, David, he found refuge there. You know, and I thought, I started thinking about that. That's really strange. And I'm like, you know, sometimes we may find ourselves taking refuge in places that we never thought we would. Right? God will bring us to places that we're like, you want me to go, what? Where? You want me to do what? I mean, he takes us places sometimes that just like, that doesn't make any sense. Do you, okay, do you know that I, I killed this guy named Goliath well, you know, way back when and you want me to, you know, you're, I'm going to take refuge there? Yeah, well, David was smart enough. He knew Saul wasn't going to go there because Saul was afraid of the Philistines in the first place. He's not going to chase them there because he was already afraid of them. In this story, he talks, you know, talks about Saul being, you know, he and all his men were hiding in the tents. They wouldn't go out to see him. And so David, being, you know, being David, goes and takes refuge there. You know, and in that sense, God will have us do some things that don't always make sense. Go dip in the river seven times. You know, I use that one a lot. Right? right? Go dip in the river seven, river seven times. That's dumb. That makes no sense. Why would I do that? You're, gonna, you're telling me if I go dip in the river seven times, I'm going to get my healing? Yep. You know? And so, you know, some of those things just don't make any sense. Why would, why would we do that? And there's all kinds of them in the, in, the, in the Bible that, you know, go and, and, and march, around the, march around the city seven times and then blow your trumpets. Well, that sounds really intimidating, God. That sounds like a really great strategy. Boy, everybody's going to be afraid of that. You know, how about if we just get out our cannons and, you know, and start blasting them or, you know, I mean, let's do something like really, you know, shock and awe, you know, let's just like really come at them, you know, no, blow your trumpets and, 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 and walk around the city. It's like, okie dokie, huh? Praising God. Yeah, right. Right. It's not about, 
it's not about those things. You know, it's, not, it's, it's who God is, right? Or how about, you know, well, you know, put, put, take, take some jars and, you know, and put a flame in them. And then when, you know, when the time's right, you, you break these jars and all these lights will come. Oh, boy. Ooh. You know, you know, puts the fear of God in everybody. Well, yeah, it did. You know, caused, caused them to start fighting amongst each other. And they took, they, they didn't even have to fight. They took each other out. Just none of them does make sense. Right? And so, you know, sometimes he'll take us to places or have us do things that don't always make sense. And, but if we're walking with him and we're listening to him and we're, we're allowing him to lead us and guide us, it doesn't have to make sense to us. Right? Yeah, just walk in, in obedience and follow him. And so, you know, and, and he, knows, he, knows where, he knows where our enemy won't go to find us. Right? He knows. I'm going to put you here. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, I know your enemy's not going to go there to find you. Right? Just like David. He knew that he, you know, his enemy at the time was Saul chasing him down. Wasn't going to go there to find him. So, some interesting applications to, to our own walk and our own life. Right? So, there's, there's Goliath standing there shouting at the Israelites day and night. 40 days, 40 nights. It says 40 days in there, but it also says day and night. So, I mean, 40 days, 40 nights. I have no idea. Don't ask me what the 40 days and 40 nights, the significance of that is. People make all kinds of conjectures and speculations and numerologies and, you know, and all this stuff. I don't know. I mean, I don't, it's, you know, there's a lot to be, there's a lot of instances in the Bible that we know that say something happened 40 days and 40 nights, right? Was it, a, was it a type and shadow? You know, I don't know, right? Do your own research, come back and let me know. Okay, that's your homework assignment. See if you can find anything like really significant about that, you know, and then I want to hear all the different stories and perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of, I, you know, I, I started to look into it a little bit, and I mean, there's just like, it's all across the board, you know. That's my conclusion is, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know for sure, right? But there's a lot of parallels in the Bible, and a lot of types and shadows in the Bible that we can make and that we can, you know, whatever. But 40 days and 40 nights, he's out there taunting them, mocking them. You know, he's, he's yelling at them, you know, and, and he knew, he knew who they were. He knew the, who the, who the Israelites were. He knew the God that they served. It's like, you know, oh, what, you know, aren't, aren't you the, aren't you the men of Israel? The mighty men of Israel? You know, I'm Goliath, you know, and whatever. And, he, and he's standing out there and he's mocking them, you know, and he's like, I mean, these guys are, these guys aren't as bad as we thought they were, you know, I mean, you know, they're, they're the, the men of Israel, but apparently they don't know it. You know, I mean, just kind of, you know, mocking them all, all day long. And so, and yeah, yeah, his, his fear tactics worked, didn't they? And he said they went into hiding. Guy, they, they hid and, and went. And so, you know, just recounting the story, we've, you know, like I said, we've all heard it. But, but there are some, some very um, good things in, in this story that we can take and apply to our own lives and that we can glean from. 
And so, you know, he was, he was doing this. And until David arrived on the scene, right? We know that David was back doing what? Tending the sheep, right? He was tending the sheep. All, the, all his other brothers were out, you know, at war, you know, hiding in their tents. But David was, you know, out in, the, in, a, in a field, you know, shepherding his sheep. And so, um, so his dad calls him, you know, and, and, and he says, okay, I, I need you to go and check on the boys, you know, take, check on your brothers. And here, here's a bunch of food. You know, take some food to them. They need, they need nourishment. We need to, you know, whatever. I think it was the original DoorDash, you know, that David, you know, delivering food. I think it was, a, I think it was a, the original DoorDash delivery. Um, or Uber Eats. I'm not sure which one it was, but David, you know, is like, it was the first food delivery service that I, that I know of anyway. Oh, no, that's probably not true because uh, the ravens brought food to Elijah, didn't they? So, never mind. Was that, that was after. Oh, so, so maybe it was the original DoorDash. Oh. Yeah, that's true. See, you're throwing my, my theology all out the window. It's just throwing a whole wrench into it. See. Um, ushers, can you remove that? man? No, I'm kidding. So, right? So, but yeah, he, I don't know. He probably traveled on camel or who knows whatever. But, but, um, but notice in verse 20, in verse 17, you know, in, in chapter 17, First, this is First Samuel 17, verse 20. It says, So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things, and went as Jesse had commanded him. Isn't that just the heart of a shepherd? David, he left them with another shepherd. Right? I thought that was that was just really really neat and interesting is that when he left he didn't just leave the sheep unattended he made sure they were taken care of the heart of a shepherd always making sure the sheep are cared for and watched and protected over and that who Jesus is and that who God is always watches over us never leaves us never forsakes us we are never left without a shepherd watching over us caring for us loving us protecting us providing for us you know as his sheep as his shepherd as his he as our shepherd and so that guy kind of reminds me of the story or the the um the word that i had received a while a long time ago you know and and i'd probably mentioned this before but when it had always bothered me um a little bit when it says that you know that he leaves the 99 to go get the one and I'm like, what about the 99? What happens with them? My gosh. Go gets the one, and the 99 are all like, woo, party! You know? And they're, you know, sneaking out of the pen, and now he's not, now, now he doesn't have just one. Now he's got like several, you know, that have lost, that have, you know, gotten loose and are out of the pen, and now he's got to go get all these other ones, and, you know, whatever. And I was like, God, what is that? What, what is, you know, what? What is that? You know, I just, I just was praying about it. He said, he goes, I, I leave the 99 to go get the one. He goes, but I never leave the 99 unprotected. I always leave the 99 protected in the same way as I always have. Right? He gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives us, you know, a, a keeper of our heart, a shepherd of our heart. He's, I never leave you unattended. So when I go to get the nine, the, when I go get the one, you know, you're still you're still cared for and protected and watched over. It's like, 
Oh, okay. That I can, uh, you know, that I can understand. He talks to me, you know, and sometimes in these simple ways, but it's like it makes sense, you know? So we don't have to, like, worry and be afraid. It's not something that, that we need to, you know, feel bad about, right? And so, and so here's David. He kind of, he shows up on the scene. He's bringing food, you know, hey guys, uh, you know, make sure you tip your driver, you know, really well. Um, and, and until he finds out what's going on, right? And what happens? He gets incensed. It's like, okay, I'm going to use the, the, the modern day, the modern day version of what David said. Dude, if anyone else is going to, is anyone else going to fight this unholy, non-believing monster? If nobody else is going to fight this unholy, unbelieving monster, then I will. Seriously. What gives? You know, these are all the, you know, this is how David would sound today. Right? He's like, he was incensed. You know? And it's, it's interesting, isn't it? That David was so incensed. Like, how, why weren't the rest of them? They were just more afraid. But here was David, a man after God's own heart. You knew he was a man after God's own heart at that point because... He cared what God cared about. He cares what God cares about. Right? He, 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 he was going to take the things and go after the things that God cares about. And so, and so you know, apparently all of King Saul's um, uh, incentives weren't enough for him. Right? They weren't, gonna, weren't doing it for him. Right? All the incentives he saw. Well, King, if you read the story... You know, I'll, 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 I'll make sure that you don't have to pay taxes. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm in. You know, <laughs> if I don't have to pay taxes, let's go. Right? Um, I'll give you, the, I'll give you my daughter. Right? And then what was the other one? Uh, huh? Great riches. I'll give you great riches. So those three things. Those are the incentive to go. If you anybody that wants to fight Goliath, I'll give you great riches. You can have my daughter. Oh, great. Thanks. Okay, everyone. Elizabeth. Everyone, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, everyone. There you go. You're gonna, you know. <laughs> right? And then and, uh, she quickly exits. Um, and then you don't have to pay taxes. He gives them all these incentives to not, you know. And nobody took him up on it. And David like, skip that. I don't need all that. Right? He's, de- he's, he's defiling the name of God. He's, defi- he's, he's coming against the people of God. And he's like, Oh, this is not right. We need to make a stand here, people. And so, you know, so that's this kind of where the story gets really even more interesting, isn't it? So then, kind of where I'm getting to is, you know, David didn't need the the other incentives. You know, he says, you know, well, if none of you guys are going to fight Goliath, then I will fight Goliath. Cute veggie tales, right? I will fight you, Goliath. You know, you remember you guys know Jay. Have you seen that one? Yeah, that was, right? Cue the veggie sales. If you've seen that, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, but no, Larry the cucumber. Larry, is it Larry? Is, oh, 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 Junior Asparagus. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I know, I got to get my veggie tales theology correct. <laughs> it's like Junior Asparagus is going to go fight Goliath. Right? And so, I don't know how Bob and Larry and all those other guys fit in, but anyway, but, right? But David wasn't afraid to accurately identify the enemy. He was, he was going, he's saying, no, 
This, this, is, this guy's our enemy. And he's, he's standing against the people of God and he's standing against the word of God and he's, standing, he's defiling everything, right? And he was, so, you know, David wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't afraid to, to, to identify it, right? We need to sometimes just call it out, you know? No, this is a spiritual attack and I'm coming against it in the name of Jesus, Right? I mean, there are so many times when you get, you know, when we get into, you know, what is it, relationships or, you know, interactions or whatever, blah, 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 and you, things get clouded, you know, and we start to lose sight of what's really going on. And sometimes it's like, hold on, time out. This is an attack. You know, the enemy's trying to get in here and try to cause strife and division and, and whatever between us. And we're we're going we're gonna to call this out right now. This is an attack of the enemy. We need to stop and pray and come against it in Jesus' name. No more. You get out. We're not going to let the, the attacks of the enemy. We've seen this, haven't we? Yeah, right? And it happens. But, and so we need to be aware of it and be able to say, no, accurately identify. This is, this is an attack of the enemy. And so, um, so David comes in and he says, you know, no, this, guy, this, this guy needs to be taken out. And in verse 28 of chapter 17, 1 Samuel 17, verse 28. He says, it says, Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's, I don't know if I'm saying that right, pardon me if it's not the right pronunciation, but, huh? Close enough. Eliab's, uh, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. Where did that come from? My brother had apparently my brother has some anger issues. You know, he needs to go to counseling for anger, right? But he accuses David of all these things that not Nowhere, nowhere does it say anything that, that that was David's intention. His dad sent him. He was obeying his father. He was just doing what his dad told him to do and brought his food, bringing food to him, to his brothers. You know, sometimes when we obey our father, people are going to bring accusations against us. People are going to come against us and go, oh, you're just doing that because you're just prideful. Oh, you're just holier. Oh, you're just holier than thou. Oh, you're just da-da-da-da-da. Oh, you're just this. Or you're, oh, you're just that. Oh, you're just saying that because you, oh, you're this goody-two-shoes Christian. Right? Sometimes people will say things. When you're following what God has told you to do, when you're doing what the Father, I'm just doing what the Father told me to do. You know? And people get, you know, get a little uncomfortable around that. They make false accusations. It also tells us to be careful who we share the battle with. Be careful who we share the battle with, who we are in battle with, right? Who, who are our bunker mates, right? We want to know who we're fighting with, right? We, we, we want to know, like, who, who's, who's with us, who's for us, and who's, who's against us, who, you know, who's going who's gonna to be in the battle with us. Who's going to fight the good fight with us, right? And who's going to turn on us in an instant? And we just, we just, we need to be, we need to be aware of who's who we're in battle with, right? 
And so, you know, some, some people might try to dissuade you in the battle. Some people, might, some people might get offended and accuse you of things. Some might mock you. Right? We just need to be aware. We can't, we can't let someone try and deter us from the real battle. And that's what was happening with David. His brother was trying to get him, you know, was, was, was accusing him. He was, it was, it was the, the enemy working through his brother. Tried to get him to be deterred from the real battle. Like it was creating this whole situation that wasn't even an issue when the real battle was over here. This, the enemy tries to get us all, all distracted and well, what's going on over here and what, what we need to... No, the real battle's over here. Right? And so we can't let someone try to, try to deter us from that. And so it's important to know who you are in battle with but also who you're in battle against. Right? We know the word. We know the word. It says we don't we don't we don't war against flesh and blood. Right? It's not people. We aren't against people. It's we are against the spirit that is coming through. Right? And sometimes the us this you know, sometimes it's a spiritual thing that's working through people. You don't think that the the, the his brother had something going on there that, you know, that, 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 that the enemy was speaking through him and trying to accuse him. You know, it wasn't his brother. You know, it was, his, it was whatever was going on with, with him that he allowed to work through him. Now, the, the, the evil, the accusations, we know that, that, that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Right? And so he's, he, his brother was just, unfortunately, being a mouthpiece for the enemy. And trying to trying to get them all stirred up and whatever, and so we need to know we need to be really, really, really clear on who the battle is against because sometimes it can feel like it's people. Sometimes it can feel a lot of times it can feel like we we need to go after that person, and it's not the person we go after; it's the spirit that's operating behind what whatever they're doing. Right? That's that's what we need to identify. We need to make sure that we're going after the spiritual part of it. And I can tell you what's going on in the world today, right? There's a lot of spiritual stuff going on. And and it looks like it's the people are the problem. You know, if we just got rid of this person, then everything would be great. If we just got rid of these people, then everything would be great. Well, the, the spirit's still there. The spirit behind it is still there, and it's still working and operating. It'll just find some other people to work through, right? And so we just we got we have to be able to identify that and know what to pray against. We're praying with the weapons of our warfare are not carnal; they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And so. And so David, David's like, he recounts, he's, he gives an account. He goes to Saul and he's like, hey, if nobody else is going to fight him, I'll fight him. And, and Saul's like, ooh, I don't know. You're, you're junior asparagus. I don't, know if you can, I don't know if you can do this. You're kind of, ooh. And David's like, listen, I've killed a bear and a lion with my bare hands. He recounts, he gives him an account of his victories. I know who I am. God protected me in those situations. I know God was going to protect me in this situation. And he says, 
you know, I, I, I've done these things. And so, and because of those, he had a confident expectation that God would protect him again. Remember we talked about that before, that we have a confident expectation when we are in Christ Jesus? We can, be com- we can have that confident expectation that he is going to come through with what he says he's going to come through with. When he says it, it's, you can take it to the bank. Men, And so, so then we look in verse, and I'll finish with this. This is my 10-minute co- uh, conclusion. Sorry, just kidding. In verse 38, this is the part that I really, that, that really want to get to, just building off of it. But in verse 38, in, um, it says, So Saul clothed David with his, so Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with a coat of mail. Chain mail. Simeon's in the process of, of, of making chain mail. So, so we'll have to bring, we'll have, you'll have to bring that next week and show. He, he and his buddy are, have been making chain mail. It's really cool. And it's like, and it's, I, I don't know, what is it like, this big so far? And they're just, they've got these, these, these metal, they're making metal rings and then they're putting them all together and they've learned how to do it. It's kind of cool. So, so I told him, I said, once he gets the chain mail, then I'll, I'll wear it, you know, for an for a object lesson. But he, that's, that's what David, that's what, that's what Saul gave David, this chain mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had, to, he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag. And, he, and, he, and we know the story, it goes on, or whatever. And there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a other versions that say he was not used to them. He put the clothes, he put this, this, these clothes on David's armor, or Saul's armor, and he says, I'm not, I'm not used to these. So he took it off. And he grabbed his staff and five smooth stones, and he says, this I'm used to. This I can fight with. This I know how to use. And so um, David knew how to fight, and he knew what to fight with, what he was comfortable with. And when we're fighting the battle, what armor are we using? Right? What armor do we use? What are we used to? What armor are we used to using when we're fighting? Are we used to our verbal artillery? Is that what we fight with? We, we fight with our words and we verbal artillery? Are we that? Or are we used to our physical abilities? Are we fighting with manipulation? Or something someone else gave you? Saul gave to David? Or are we fighting with what God gave us? Are we fighting with the armor of God? In Ephesians, right? Yeah? So we said Ephesians. Did you circle it? Right? Ephesians. It talks about the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. God gave us his armor. Are we used to it? Are we comfortable with it? Because if we aren't, we should be. 
because that's the, that's the armor that we are to fight with. That plus all the skills and abilities that he gave us. David, had, David learned some things while he was in the, in the field with all those sheep all that time, alone, with not much to do other than kill a lion and a bear and ten sheep, right? But he learned how to use certain things and he was comfortable with them. He knew how to fight and it was his, through his own skills and abilities that God had given him that he learned how to use these things. So we need, to, we need to walk, we need to fight and to learn how to get comfortable with what God gave us, right? Sometimes we try to use what somebody else gave us and it doesn't work so good. And so... Because the battle we are in is different than what is seen in the natural. We need to fight with the weapons and the warf- the armor that God has given us. Amen? And so that's kind of the, the gist of the message is that we are in a battle, we are in a, in a war, and, and what we need to get comfortable with what God has given us. And so look up Ephesians. These guys know it already, apparently. They, good job. Right? They study it. And so he knew. He knew what he was. He knew what he was comfortable with. He was comfortable with with with, the, with what God had given him, the skills, but also, you know, that he was with the, that the Spirit of God was with him. Like he was, that was what he was comfortable because he spent so much time building that experience and that relationship with God. That that's what he walked in. And so, you know, are we are we in that same position that we can go? You know, hey, I know this enemy, and I've seen it. I recognize it, and this is what I, I'm. You know, man, we're gonna we're gonna get into we're gonna get into worship, or we're gonna get into spiritual warfare, and I'm gonna pray, and all, and I, whatever. You know, however God leads you, right? What? But we should be comfortable in those those things in the spirit. Amen.